This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, everybody? Uh, Another episode of Shooting It Straight with myself, Justin Jackson. Uh, You know, the regular, regular me and producer John. Uh, but today, obviously, we don't have a ton of UNC basketball other than some games coming up. So today we figure we bring in uh, the only other 2-4 that I can think of at UNC other than Marvin, Marvin Williams, uh, Kenny Williams. Uh, Kenny, appreciate you coming and hanging out with us for a little bit, chatting it up. Uh, I guess for – Honored to be the first guest. Sure. <laughs> Come on now, whenever we were talking about guests, you know. You know what name came to mind. Um, so I guess for those that maybe haven't really been able to either follow you since UNC or whatever, kind of update everybody on where you're at, how's it going, and how life is, man. Um, yeah, I'm in my third year over here in Greece, uh, third team. Um, things are going well. The team, we haven't played as well as we want to, uh, haven't stacked as many wins as we want to, but uh, individually, I think I'm playing pretty good. Uh, of course, could play better, but uh, it's a long season, man. It's it's only December, so we got a lot of time to turn things around. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it, man. It's my third year over here. I'm kind of getting acquainted to things and the traditions of Greek life and things like that. So uh, it's fun, man. It's it's a lot of fun. Things are going well this year with the team. Um, you know, outside of basketball, I got a lot of great teammates, a couple good Americans. So uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, just trying to take it in day by day, honestly. Man, look, we, uh, I think people, a lot of times we take for granted, um, the sacrifice that's involved going overseas. Cause I think a lot of people just look at, okay, you're playing basketball as a job. Like that's, that's a blessing in of itself, which it is not taking that away at all. But like you said, third year in Greece, those seasons go on for what, 10 months. Mm-hmm. You got to be over there by yourself. Um, you know, luckily, like you said, you got some teammates that are cool. You can hang out with a little bit, spend some time. But I mean, right now it's what, eight hours ahead from central time, seven hours ahead from Eastern time. So I can only imagine, man, the, the, you know, the things that you have to do to still kind of keep life over here in the States normal and things like that. So we appreciate you, bro. Um, I guess the the first thing is, man, like, and we've talked about it, obviously. We talk all the time. But what what would you say is the biggest difference from European basketball to basketball over in the States? What would you say is the biggest difference? Um. I think honestly, the, the tactical side of it, it's so much more tactical when it comes to playing over here. Cause most of the time you have two or three days to get ready for a team. Um, you know, I'm talking strictly professional on over here on this level compared to the NBA. It's like, you might have a back to back and you can only, you can only prepare for that team the night before or the day of. So uh, usually we have two or three days to prepare and, um, my team specifically will spend one whole day on their defense and then the next day on their offense and, uh, you know, put it all together on the third day. But it's so much more tactical, man. It's just uh, you it's a lot of. Um, teams run a lot of plays and they're they're very. Not necessarily intricate, but the players are so much more. There's so much more skill uh involved in it that uh you know some some actions are just tough to guard and then you know you got some teams who are uh you know they some of the coaches over here some of the the stuff that they draw up is just it's just good stuff and there's so many um there's so much that you can do out of out of the different actions that they run that sometimes it's just hard to guard so 
uh, you know, it's just everybody, everybody runs it like that where, you know, they're the tech tactical part of it is, is very important, especially here in Greece. I mean, every league, every country is different, but here in Greece, it's the technical side is a lot, is, is way bigger than I think the NBA where, you know, you guys, guys kind of, you know, a lot of guys can get by on talent and skill alone, but here you have to really uh, hone in on what you want to do and what, what you're defending. Yeah, which I think is is something we talked about, uh, I think, last episode when UNC played UConn. Um, it's, it's almost – it's rare to see now here in the States, whether it's college or pros. Like you said, NBA, it's literally the best – you know, if you want to say the best, we'll say 300, 400 players in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's like you don't necessarily have to run the best actions because a guy like LeBron or a guy like KD at the end of shot clock can just go get a shot whenever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when we were watching and we were talking about UConn, like the things that they run, like Coach Hurley runs with them, it's so rare to see actions and execution and different looks that they gave and i feel like that's kind of something that's missing in like today's basketball is because everybody growing up is usually like the top of the top is more athletic maybe they're more talented it's almost like we forget to teach how to execute we forget to teach like how to think the game we forget to teach like the iq portion of basketball and so it's like then whenever they get to a point where okay wait now so you're telling me i can't just run by this guy and go score a bucket like i actually have to set a back screen right wait to get screened come off read whatever the low man is doing like there's so many things that we just don't teach i feel like and when i watch like when I watch your games or I watch any other like European basketball, it's like, it's refreshing to see that. Cause it's like, man, like you actually have to read and play basketball. You can't just jump over somebody or you can't just hit them with four different combo moves and blow past them. Like, cause there's just different things that you have to deal with over there. So I I, I do, I, I guess my question to you is, do you feel like, do you feel like over here in the States, we're doing a disservice, maybe not teaching European style basketball because it's all different style mm-hmm. of basketball, but do you feel like we're missing that portion or do you feel like it's just because of the talent and the athleticism that there are, that players over here have, that that's just kind of where basketball is going and that's just kind of where it is? I think, I think the, and I don't I don't want to say sound like I'm bashing anybody because I don't I'm not in the youth AAU culture things like that anymore. But I think that's where it starts. Um, over here, growing up, they're teaching them they're teaching them how to make reads and uh, you know how to really play the game, quote unquote, the right way. Um, so you know by the time they're 25 they've been doing they've been making these reads for 10 years or so so it's like it's it's second nature to them as opposed to you know nowadays in the states you know it's i and i again i don't want to sound like one of those guys but it's really (laughs) i like you know everybody everybody wants the videos to post on social media and things like that and um you know i think that's the difference and you can kind of call it a disservice because like you said, not everybody's going to go to the NBA. So, you know, guys come over here or go to college and, you know, you kind of have to learn how to play the game. You have to learn principles of the game as opposed to, you know, just getting by on instinct. And it's good to have instinct, but there's a, a part of the game that a big part of the game that's mental and you have to be able to make a read and sometimes see a play before it happens um or as it happens and you know i think that's the part that that we're missing in the states is just being able to read the game on both ends of the court though like uh you know defensive principles and simple things like just just the simple parts of the game that players should have you shouldn't have to be learning that at 
18, 19, 20 years old when you're in college or trying to be a pro. Um, and I think that's why, you know, you see so many American guys come over here and not succeed as, as, as well as they would or as well as you think they would because, you know, that mental part of the game, I think, is lacking in, in our um, – when we're teaching kids how to play. I think that's the difference. They're, they're teaching them how to make reads and to where it's secondhand, it's, it's, it's like they know – they know what to do like the back of their hand and then you can build on that. Um, but I think the foundational pieces, I think we have to do a better job in America of, you know, putting, giving kids that foundation and then building on it as they get older, get better, get more athletic and things like that. You're listening to shooting it straight with Justin Jackson, special guest episode with, with Kenny Williams here today. We're sponsored by Johnny t-shirt and by Congruity HR, where Tar Heel fans can get a free payroll and HR needs assessment. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ, Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-man. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. I had a question for you, Kenny, and honestly, Justin, you can probably take this one as well, um, but you have played in both the G League and over in Europe. You, you started out with the Austin Spurs, then you made the move mm-hmm. over to Europe. How did you decide to take a opportunity in Europe versus staying in the G League? And maybe, Justin, same thing for you. How? Why have you never pursued an opportunity in Europe because I'm sure there have been times where that could have been on the table for you. I'll, well, for me, um, I always, I always told myself coming out of college that I didn't want to do G league for too long. Um, the, the pandemic kind of threw everything off, but I always said two years max. And then, uh, you know, I would take, I would look at my options overseas um, but I, I'll be honest with you, man. I never, I didn't know anything about overseas basketball when I got to Carolina until I started hearing about, you know, guys' experiences, Carolina guys, and how, you know, it's not, not as bad as you think it is growing up. Um, so you kind of, you kind of lighten up to the idea and, you know, I just wanted to try. I just wanted to see what the G life was like and, uh, you know, a part of me wasn't ready to come over here yet. That's a that's a big part of it. And like Justin said earlier, there's a sacrifice to it that I just mentally I, w- I don't think I was ready for it yet. Um, but when it came to, you know, the decision, uh, you know, I, I didn't sign until I think late July, my first year. Uh, and that's that's because um I got that through my Austin, one of my Austin Spurs assistant coaches knew someone over here. So I was able to, um, you know, make that move and it's gotten better ever since. But, uh, you know, I think, I think there's a growing up, everybody, especially in America, everybody thinks, you know, you want to go to the NBA and there's a certain stigma around overseas basketball, but you know, this it's great basketball over here. Uh, you know, guys make really good money over here. It's a sacrifice, but you know, you get, I was, I was actually just talking to Marcus about this. You get to, you get to get a new perspective on the world. Um, there's so much positive that you, that can come out of coming over here because you know, you're, you're thrust into a new culture, a new environment that you're not used to and you got to figure it out. And there's a lot of growth that can come with that. Uh, but it opens your eyes so much outside of of the world outside of america and i think that's a good thing it's been a good thing for me but i don't think on that side of things i don't think i've heard any anybody say anything bad about it yeah i mean i um so i i to to answer your question john i think um there definitely have been, especially in the last couple of years, there's been more talks of 
do me and my family make that move overseas and try to, you know, play some basketball over there to maybe make it back to the NBA or, you know, play a couple years over there. Um, you know, like, like Kenny said, I think now the way that basketball is working, there's opportunities everywhere. Um, and the opportunities now overseas are so much better than uh, I think how it was like, as we were growing up, I think when you thought of going overseas, I know, at least for me, when you thought of going overseas, it was almost like a, I'd say like a demotion type of thing. Like, oh, you, you know, you weren't good enough to make it over here. So, you know, I guess you got to go try it overseas. Now it's like, there's, there's NBA talent and, you know, really high level talent all throughout European basketball. And so I think that's one good thing about over there. For me personally, it was just, I've got two little ones now and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people go and say, oh, well, that's the perfect time to go because they're not going to remember it or, you know, that's the perfect time because, you know, they're little. For me, it's it's almost, it's it's like the, the what's, what's the sacrifice level that I really want to do? Um, you know, like I said, this is my seventh year professional. Um, thankfully, I've been blessed enough to earn and provide enough money for my family that money isn't necessarily the you know, end all be all type situation for us. So for me, it was like, okay, what is the sacrifice that I'm willing to do? Am I willing to take my family over there for 10 months and keep them away from my family and, and my wife's family and the cousins and, and, you know, my brother and sisters and, you know, all that kind of thing. Am I willing to do that? Or do I want to try you know, another year in the G League and see if I can make something happen, you know, as far as that. And for me, it was just, you know, for me, family always comes first anyway. So it was, it just wasn't a sacrifice that I was willing to make. Um, you know, I know a lot of people would say, hey, Justin, you need to play basketball as long as you possibly can, whatever that might look like. For me, that's not what it is. Life is so much bigger than basketball. But at the same time, I love how much European basketball is expanding and it's giving so many people opportunities to one play basketball and for two make a good amount of money. Like Kenny said, I mean, you can go overseas now and make a lot of money. Um, and so I think that's a, I think that's a good, you know, I think, I think that's a, a good place that, you know, European basketball is giving. So that's a long answer to a short, you know, a short, answer that I could have given was it just wasn't a sacrifice that I was willing to make with my family but at the same time I support everybody that goes over there and you know tries to make something happen over there yeah we appreciate the the long answers from both of you another question about sort of playing in Europe or really just playing in the G or the NBA there you sort of get to experience the Carolina family a little bit Uh, Kenny you referenced it there's been a lot of Tar Heel basketball players who've gone overseas I think Deion Thompson played like you know, something crazy, like 16 seasons overseas, yeah. which is awesome. So Kenny, can you tell me about, and you know, maybe you haven't experienced this, but have you gotten a chance to interact with any fellow Tar Heels either on the court or maybe just broadly in Europe in the G, like kind of what's it like to compete against a fellow Tar Heel in professional basketball? Um, man, it's really nothing like it. So last year I actually, I actually did play Dion. Um, in a three-game series, we played a three-game series uh, against his team, and me and Dion, we had a we we actually developed the relationship last year um, through someone else. Uh, there was a program that he was running that he was in that uh, he reached out to me about, and we got to have some good conversations throughout the year. And we ended up uh, playing each other last year, uh, and it's just it's just. It's hard to put a word to it. It's just a cool feeling to, um, you know, play against someone that you view as a brother and also someone that you built a relationship because you have a school alma mater in, in, in common and you've been able to build that relationship. And then to go and compete against them, uh, it's, it's second to none. Uh, it's just, 
you know, when you when you compete against somebody that you're close with, you, you complete you compete a little bit harder because you want the bragging rights. You want to be able to say, yeah, I beat you. Um, so it's it's just it's just cool, man, to have someone that played, uh, you know, five, six, seven years before me at Carolina to be able to build a relationship with them and then to go out and compete with them and have paths cross, um, you know, them, them still playing at a high level, uh, you know, at an older, at an older age and, uh, you know, just crossing paths and being able to compete to, with them, I think is cool. But, you know, in terms of, you know, the Carolina family, I had, I had a game in Spain last year also. And uh, Luke, he wanted to make the game, but they, their practice went a little bit longer, but he still drove, I think an hour or so. Uh, you know, just to just to spend time with me, and we went we went to eat after the game, things like that. So, uh, you know, you just it's just special. Everybody, you know how we talk about the Carolina family, man. It's just it's a special thing to be a part of, and um, you know, I'm just thankful that I'm able to have people around the world that I can call brothers and know that I have that support. Yeah, and I I, I mean it, it is a you know, people always, they throw around the brotherhood and the family term a lot. Um, but it is weird. Just like the, you know, I'll never forget the first time I played in Charlotte. And it was, I think it was Marv's last year. And I had never met Marv up until that point. Um, and uh, it was like we were, it was layup lines. And, you know, I was running back into like the rebounding layup lines. And he was there and like we... It was like uh it was as if we had been around each other and had a previous relationship just purely off of the fact that we went to UNC. Like there was no like, hey, how's the family doing or whatever. It was just like, hey bro, how are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? It's 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 a weird thing to to really talk about, but that's just how, you know, being in North Carolina and the the you know, the sense of family that you have you know, going all the way back to years prior to you and, you know, even further back. So it's, it is a cool thing, which is kind of, you know, I guess we might as well talk about this, this team, uh, this year's team a little bit, you know, within this podcast a little bit. So, uh, so I think it's, it's one of those things, Kenny, we've uh, obviously you go back to Chapel Hill during the summers. Mm -hmm. um, you work out there. So you were there a little bit this past off season. I was there to, I was there like a couple of days. I was able to practice with them a little bit. Um, but I, you know, I, I want to kind of hear what your thoughts are, um, on this year's team and the games that you've seen, how you saw them, you know, throughout the off season and things like that. What do you, what do you think of this team and how, you know, how they can be going forward? The one thing that I love most right now about this team is they have shown a lot more grit um and there's been a fight where you get knocked down and you know you're not just you're not just going to stay they're they're going they're going to fight back and uh that kind of showed I kind of saw that coming in the summer uh again I was talking to Marcus again about the summer practices and they were they were at wars they were all out wars super physical um you know things like that so it's just it's no surprise that they're showing more grid and more fight and more uh they're competing a lot more um but I, mean, I, I i i love the team i love the makeup of the team um you know of course you know you got things like UConn, the shots weren't falling the way that we wanted them to, but <clears throat> they've got plenty of shooters. Um, you know, I think the makeup is just well good because you know you got guys like Elliot that can help RJ when RJ um, you know isn't on the ball, and then you got Elliot because Elliot looks for everybody. He wants to pass the ball. He wants the assist. So that makes everybody's life easier. RJ's playing out of his mind right now. Uh, hopefully he can continue that up. Um, and then you got Cormac, shooter, tough, gritty, def defense, all of that good stuff. And then I think the key is, is Harrison, really. Harrison is the one that kind of takes this team to another level because um, he's he's been consistent. 
he kind of when things get kind of go kind of awry, you just give the ball to Harrison on the post, and he's shown an ability to not only look to score out of the post, but he can pass out of the post. Like he's made a couple cross court passes where it just hits the shooters on the money, and all they got to do is shoot the ball. So I think he's the big. I think he's the X factor and, and can take this team, you know, take them from here to here. But uh, and I really like his game, man. He's he's tough. He can make shots. He can do a lot um, on both ends of the floor. And of course, Armando is going to be Armando. He's going to do what he does. Uh, but the key also will be the bench. Um, you know, you got guys like Seth, who's been playing well. Uh, who else? Jay Witt can come in and give you minutes where uh, and be aggressive on defense and offense. I think he has the ability to do it. Um, and all those guys, I mean, they, I think they can put it together to make up the team is, uh, you know, I think is made with the ability to have success. I think they just have to continue to put things together and continue to improve. I think, um, you know, this next stretch of, you know, you got Kentucky, Oklahoma, I think this rest of this month, and one more game, I think the rest of this month. But uh, December is really where you fine-tune things um, to get ready for conference play because you have a lot more practice. So hopefully they they have been using the time that they have. I know they got they've got exams and you don't practice as much, but hopefully they use they're using the time to fine tune and uh, you know get themselves ready for the the home stretch. Kenny was uh, sitting back. We started to talk about this year's team. He sat up. I could tell Kenny has some takes ready to go. <laughs> He's ready to uh, fire them yeah, off. Ready to say something. <laughs> I'm going to ask you one tough question, Kenny. I want to hear your, your best take here. Justin and I have been talking about this on, on the show throughout the season because Justin's been really big on Harrison. He's called him the X factor. But who do you think the best player on the team is? Some people say it's Armando <laughs> because he's most consistent. Some people say it's RJ because he can just put the ball in the basket or Harrison for the, the two-way. Kenny, what's your take there? If I had to pick one, it would, it would be between Harrison and RJ. I think I, I, want, I want to go RJ and not just because he's been – just because of how he's been playing. I think RJ gives you – RJ's the engine, I think, that, that drives his team. Uh, because he doesn't necessarily have to score. I mean, that's what he does. But we've seen games where RJ's had 10 rebounds, and we've seen games where RJ's had 10 assists. Uh, and, of course, we've seen the 25, 30-point games. But um, I think I think RJ just – I think it all starts with RJ. Whatever they do, uh, it starts with RJ, whether he's scoring or getting the, getting guys involved in the game. Um, I think if he, if he isn't playing well, I think it'd be tougher for the team. So I'm gonna go RJ there. And, um, of course it's, it's not hard to pick him if, with the way he's been playing. So I, I think that's a pretty solid choice. I don't think there's a wrong answer, but I'm, I'm, I'm leaning RJ there. Yeah, I think kind of what I was talking about before, I think. I, I've, I've stood on it from the very beginning of the season that RJ and Mondo are kind of what make this team. Um, they're kind of the top dogs per se. Uh, but I think as this season has gone on, I think I would agree as far as RJ is, I guess if you want to say best player, but Harrison makes the team go if that makes sense. Mm. So if RJ struggles in a game, um, I think this team looks a lot worse. But if Harrison doesn't do everything that he does for this team, I think a lot of the guys, RJ included, Mondo, Cormac, I think a lot of the guys don't do as well as they do. And so I think he's kind of what keeps this team going, I guess I would say, which mm. – I mean, it's it's tough. I think I saw a stat that RJ's averaging like 21 points a game, and there's been no other Tar Heel to do that since Tyler Hansborough. Um, and it's early, but, I mean, still to be putting up those kind of numbers, it's hard to say that he's not, you know, kind of the go-to guy on the team. But 
man, the things that Harrison does is just, yeah. You know, it's like we haven't really seen a guy. Honestly, when I really think about it, we haven't seen a guy do everything that he does since probably Theo on our teams. Like, yeah, it, you know what I mean? Like, especially, you know, this, his senior year, I guess it would have been your junior year, the way that he basically ran the whole entire team and did so many mm-hmm. things for the team is kind of how Harrison reminds me for this team. Is just like he keeps this train going. You know, and he's he's honestly, I'd probably say he's probably the most consistent player so far this season, as far as just game in and game out. He does what he does, and he does it really well. So I definitely agree, man. Go and hop on the Harrison Ingram uh, <laughs> fan train if you want to, because I've I've been I've been on it for a while. So, um, but I think that kind of that I think it's it's funny when we talk about this team. It's you know, obviously now everybody's acquainted with what this team looks like, but you think about it last year, there was six of these guys that weren't on the team and -hmm. nobody knew about them, which is all from the transfer portal. And I think I saw some other stat that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was like, I don't know if it was football, just football, or if it was a mix of basketball and football, but there was like 3000 players in the transfer portal already. Um, and so I guess when you see the transfer portal, do you think, for one, do you think it's a good thing? Two, do you think it would have changed your career at all if it was as open and free as it is right now today? Man, I I, I want to say it's a good thing. Um, but there's everything has positives and negatives to it. Um, like I, the first thing that I think about is, you know, there's X number of kids who go into the transport portal that don't end up finding a school. And that's a tough, that's a tough part of it, but you've also got transport portal success stories, even for Carolina, where, you know, the, the, it worked out for both the player and the school. So, I mean, I think I think there's more positive than negative to it because, you know, it kind of it gives the players a little bit more power in, in terms of their career. Um, do I think there needs to be some kind of regulation to it? Yes. But so that you don't have as many players that don't find homes. But overall, I think it's a good system because, you know, you've got everybody that you've got one central location where players want to, you know, coaches can look and you've got a bunch of players where, you know, that are looking for new places to play. Um, but it can get abused. It can be abused, but overall, I think it's a good thing. Um, in terms of me, uh, you know, finding, seeing in terms of it being something that would have changed my career. I don't think so. Um, Me personally, there was only like a single moment where I was thinking about transferring, um, but I never really gave it any real thought. But other than that, um, you know, would it would it have you been used a little bit more um, by Coach Williams? I I have no idea. Um, so I don't think it would have impacted my career a ton. Um, obviously, towards the back end of my career helped. Uh, it helped us get Cam, which, you know, he turned out to be, everybody knows how he turned out for us. So, <laughs> um, he, he helped in a lot of wins. So I don't know, man, it's, it's tough. Uh, it's tough to say, but I think overall it's a good thing, uh, for college basketball. It's just, I think there's need, there needs to be some regulation to it. I don't know what that looks like, but, um, you know, I think that would that would help it a little bit in terms of, you know, players, you know, going get, getting into the transport portal and, you know, making the decisions to to leave their schools and find the new ones. Just to hold on this point for a quick second, kind of taking, quote unquote, the, the voice of the fan here. You know, I think fans really appreciate seeing the journey of players over four years at UNC. And I think, Kenny, that's so much of, of your story, too. I remember that game 
uh, against Pitt in, in the conference tournament when, when you hit the three-pointer. And that mm -hmm. felt like such a big moment for your career. And it feels like moments like that maybe aren't happening as much with the transfer portal because players will stay to school for a year or two. Maybe fans don't get the chance to, to build relationships with the players as much. And those moments like Kenny hitting a, a three early on in his career, it means that he's going to play a bigger and bigger role in his following seasons. So Kenny, kind of mm -hmm. from that perspective, do you kind of see uh, the challenges maybe that the transfer portal prevents it, maybe prevents the next Kenny Williams from developing over the course of, of four years at a single school? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it does. Because um, sometimes you get in situations where you have to wait it out and uh, you do have to develop and, you know, eventually things things start working in your favor. Uh, I just think that's how it that's how the sport is nowadays where, you know, guys kind of want to come go somewhere where and play right away. I mean, I went to I came in as a freshman and we were ranked number one preseason. So, you know, you got guys like Justin, Marcus, Theo, Nate, Joel. There was there wasn't much playing time to go around. And I, I knew that. Um, but, you know, it's. I think that's just the new age of college basketball, man, where guys want to go somewhere and play because they see so much, so many guys, you know, that and that are in the same class that are playing, um, you know, and then, you know, a guy gets in his head like, oh, I'm better than him. I should be playing, things like that. Um, but I think, I think the, 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 the age where you see a guy start young and see him progress throughout his career, that, 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 That'll probably be few and far between now because of the transport portal. Um, so it's just something that, you know, you you don't necessarily like because, you know, you, you think about a place like Carolina where that happens so much and it's kind of part of the culture uh, to see guys and watch them progress through their careers. But it's just something that we have to get used to as fans. Um, you know, me, me now, uh, a fan, being a fan, it's something that it's just how it is now. It's unfortunate because, you know, that's part of the allure of college basketball is seeing, uh, you know, falling in love with someone throughout their career. And then when they leave to be that, that'd be the hard part. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just how it is nowadays. And, uh, you know, you, you just got to get used to the change. Uh, things are changing in college, college sports and, some things you just have to, you gotta, you gotta change with the times, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I think um, there's gotta be some sort of regulations um, that way that, you know, kids aren't just going into the transfer portal and leaving without a home to go to. Cause I think that's, that causes more issues than that person maybe just not playing and trying to push through at the college that they're at. But, I mean, I think it's just, you know, it's a tough thing. It's definitely a tough balance because if, you know, I think nowadays you see a lot of people moving schools and high schools. You see a lot of players, you know, they transfer to a new school. They go to a boarding school. You know, you see obviously the Mount Verds and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I think those options are obviously great options for a lot of basketball players. But I think there has to be some sort of, resiliency i guess i would say and there has to be at times patience because once you leave once you leave even college there's you can't just pick up and leave wherever you want to go because the situation isn't necessarily you know how you pictured it and how you really wanted it to go um so i'm kind of right there in the middle you know i think there there should be a you know a sense of a okay, now I'm going to stick with my decision and I'm going to push through and I'm going to go and earn what I deserve. Um, but also at the same time, there are people that go into unfortunate circumstances and, you know, a coach gets fired or somebody transfers in, you know, in front of you, maybe that, you know, was a little bit more accomplished player or whatever. And so then it's like, okay, well, I need to go do something for myself and I need to, you know, try to, you know, continue my career, which is kind of what, you know, it's kind of what this this game coming up against Kentucky is. You know, when you look at you look at UNC, it's you know we talk about Cormax, the Pax, the Jay Witt, you know Harrison, 
guys like that that transferred in. And then you look at the Kentucky team and it's basically all freshmen. <laughs> you know, it's like it's all freshmen and a fifth year guy that's been at Kentucky for a minute now. Um, and so you you kind of look at and it, it was honestly, you know, we could talk about our games, you know, in a second, but it was the same way whenever we played Kentucky. You know, it was like, okay, I was I was a junior. Theo mm-hmm. and Joel were juniors. Kennedy, Nate were seniors. And then you look across the line and Fox is a freshman. Bam's a freshman. Monk's a freshman. It's like, it's literally the old heads versus the the new age. And yeah. so I think, I think going into, you know, we'll talk about their game a little bit. Going into this game on Saturday, it's, I don't know how much of Kentucky that you've been able to watch, but, um, you know, what are you looking forward to seeing this UNC team go against a team like Kentucky and kind of what are you looking for, for them to do to kind of, you know, keep this season going in the right direction? I haven't watched any Kentucky. If, if honestly, I watch no Carolina, unless it's, unless it's a weekend and there are earlier games, I really just watch no, watch no Carolina. Um, but I just want them to, I want them to, to to impose their will, you know, one time. I, they kind of did it against Tennessee in the first half, and you kind of saw that. They had a bunch of open shots. They hit the shots. Uh, Armando was aggressive. Armando was physical. Um, but you got a you got a young team, and I know Kentucky's really young. They got talented players, so they're not just going to back down. But I want them – I want to see them jump out early and uh, kind of jump on them a little bit just to just to give themselves the confidence, uh, you know, coming off of UConn, uh, you, you hope they start with a little more fire coming off of a loss. And they've had uh, a bunch of extra time to uh, get ready for Kentucky. So you, I want to see them come out the gate with a, a little more fire and, you know, not, not have to go to the, the full court press to, to get everybody going, get the juices flowing. I want to see them, you know, come out with that energy, that effort that uh, you would expect from a team coming off of a loss and going into another big game. Because um, these are the games that you want to stack going into March and uh, going into the, the NCAA tournament. These are the games that are big for you, that that build build your resume. So, uh, you know, you want to you want to come out and especially on the neutral court, uh, you kind of want to really come out and get whatever fans you have because North Carolina fans travel well. So you want to get them going and, uh, you know, just just build your energy as early as possible. So I think I think that's what I'll be looking for and what what I hope to see uh, coming off of UConn and uh, having to sit on that for a couple weeks. This is a question for, for both of you. There's a long rivalry between North Carolina and Kentucky. Uh, you guys have both participated in it. Some some famous games, obviously, the, the Luke May shot is probably the first one that comes to mind, but both of you got the chance to play against Kentucky a few different times. I'll start with you, Justin, then we'll go to, to Kenny. What's your favorite memory of the UNC-Kentucky rivalry, having participated in it? We'll keep, because you mentioned the shot against uh, that Luke hit, we'll keep that one to the side because that's in the class of its own. I think... And I got a lot of them that I could go off of. But I think the one memory that's most memorable for me is we were talking about kind of before we uh, did this pod. Um, my freshman year, it was my first away game ever. And it was in Rupp Arena. It was against, at the time, it was against the platoon system Kentucky team, which went undefeated all the way until tournament time. And like I said, it's my freshman year. It's my first away game. And I will never forget my first shot that I shot from the top of the key. We ran a play. I shot it from the top of the key. And when I tell you it, it hit the backboard so hard that it like almost shook my mental a little bit from how hard it hit the the backboard. And I was looking at the box score. I only played 18 minutes, which Obviously, Coach Williams made a great decision on that. But um, that, I think, is the most memorable play that I will never forget 
just because it was as a freshman for one you grow up and there's there's certain places that you always hear about you always see right it's the dean dome it's kansas it's kentucky it's indiana like there's certain places that you see and you're like man like i want to play there at some point and i got my chance to play there but it was my first away game ever so and it was against a team of that level and it was there hasn't been many games where i've been really shook up a little bit and I would, I think I can admit it now as a older, more mature adult male that I was definitely shook up a little bit about, you know, going into that game. So I think that's my most memorable moment when it comes to, when it comes to that game. Yeah. I think, I think for me, taking away Luke's shot, I think that elite eight game, um, but more so, how we had guys respond uh, based off of the game that happened earlier that year. Um, the 103 to 100 game, everybody knows Malik. Malik had 47. Uh, but just you could tell, um, you knew that team was really special, that that 17 team when, with the way that guys responded. It wasn't necessarily um, – uh, you know, like we had to say anything. You just kind of knew that we would have guys step up. And you had, I'm looking at it now, Malik had 12 um, on four for 10, three for six. But two of those threes were at the end of the game, kind of desperation threes. And then Fox had 13 points on five for 14. So, you know, Justin and Theo kind of took those matches, matchups, uh, took them personally. And I think, Correct me if I'm wrong. Was that the game you told Theo that you had, you had Malik, or you were going to guard Malik? Uh, I think so. I think it was, uh, yeah, because I think the matchup originally was supposed to be Theo on him, and then mm -hmm. I think Joel was just going to guard Fox, but Joel was yeah. dealing with like ankle injuries that whole tournament. So then we were just like, you know what, we're just going to do that and let me get. Because, I mean, and shout out to, obviously, both of them. They're both balling out in Sacramento right now. Yeah. Um, but it was it was like, you know, you, you mentioned the game prior where he had 47. I think you could have put anybody on him at that point, and he would have still kept scoring. Like, and it we didn't did. matter. We did. It was and, like four people. <laughs> it was at least three or four people that we tried to put on him, and it was there was just nothing that we could do. So it was like. Okay, going into this game, what are the what are the things that we can do to not let him get to that point? And so it was like, okay, we'll just deny him everything. That's the only way you can do it. And so obviously it, it was easier for me because being a longer, taller, I could just kind of just trace him all over the floor. If he did get the ball, like it's just more length everywhere. And then, you know, it ended up, he missed a couple shots and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I agree with you, man. It was, uh, I mean, that was one of, that was, I mean, I think that game goes down, whether Luke hits that shot or not, I think that game goes down as one of the better tournament games in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, just from yeah. one, the talent that was in the game, the back and forth that was involved in the game, and just the level of basketball that was being played. I think it was, I mean, it's, it's one of the best games, you know, obviously that I was a part of, but, you know, that I think people watched um, in a long time. So I said, yeah, and I think, I think that showed what, what our 17 team was because none of the games in that tournament were easy besides the first game. Like it was a fight the whole tournament. So it's like, you know, it's just, we did anything we could to not be denied going back to the final four and back to the championship. And I think that game kind of shows it because that's, you know, that, that could have went any either way. I mean, everybody watched the game, you know how it went. Um, and I think that just showed the character of that team and, you know, guys are guys were willing to step up and do what they needed to do to, uh, to get to that final goal that we had. 
North Carolina plays Kentucky on Saturday at 5.30 on CBS, so be sure to check out that game. I got two more questions for you guys real quick. Uh, first for you, Justin. You played uh, with De'Aaron Fox, I believe, in the 2017-2018 season on the Kings. Did you mention to him, to him you know, the game at all in, in the locker room? You know, give him, a, give him a little bit of a hard time about that? You know, it's crazy, man. I played with him in AAU, so... Yeah. I guess that would have been what three years prior, four years prior. I played with him in high school, and then went to Sacramento, and it was for sure. It was a it was a sore subject for Fox, uh, especially the first year. I think once he got past the first year, then it was just, hey, look, we're in the NBA. It is what it is. That was in the past, but it was definitely a sore subject. Um, I mean, I think you saw some of the clips and stuff after that game and kind of how emotional that side was um which i mean it, you you lose in that manner against anybody i think it's it's going to be tough but in that kind of game against you know another blue blood like us it was i think it was also rough so we definitely had our you know i like to use the word banter we definitely had our banter back and forth and things like that you know that next year uh cuz we definitely had the bragging rights so yeah he was he was a little, little tore up about it a little bit. All right. And uh, Kenny, we are uh, looking at the roster here for the 2016-17 Tar Heels. We have Theo, who has his Run His Race podcast. Justin has mm -hmm. his podcast here. Joel's doing a podcast. When's your podcast? We're, we're waiting for you to uh, for, to start one up. You got to keep the tradition going here. I'm not a podcaster. I'm sorry. It's not happening. <laughs> I'll be a guest. I'll be a guest all day, but I'm not running my own podcast. Heck no, I cannot do it. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen and heard how much harder it is than you would imagine, and, and I, I just don't want to step into that space. We got enough podcasts already. <laughs> hey, look, we'll uh, we'll have we'll have you on anytime we can, bro. All right, we'll just we'll bring you on. We'll let you kind of see how it is it's really not that tough especially when you have a guy like john running everything behind the scenes so uh we'll get you we'll get you right but but k will man i appreciate you coming on and talking with us a little bit um you know once again to everybody listening everybody watching we appreciate you um thank you for tuning in and uh just kind of listen to us catch up and talk about this team going forward into this next game and these next couple games that they've got coming up. Obviously, like John said, they play Kentucky at 5.30 Eastern, 4.30 Central on Saturday. Uh, make sure to tune in and support them, cheer loud. Uh, it should be a good game, so we're looking forward to that. So, yeah, I appreciate everybody. Kenny, appreciate you again. Um, and until next time. Appreciate you having me, brother. <laughs>